Welcome to Strong Not Starving, my name's Marcus Kane, and if you want to beat binge eating and create a rewarding relationship with food and exercise, you're in the right place. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice. Today, Master Health Coach Donnie Landells joins me to chat about what we can do to get behind the idea of exercising, but not for the purpose of actually changing our body size and shape. The overvaluation of weight and shape and doing everything in the kitchen and the gym from the perspective of trying to change our body is far from a constructive way to approach these kind of goals. And they can often leave us wrestling with a lot of disordered thoughts and behaviors surrounding food and training. It's a journey that Johnny and myself have had to navigate personally. How to actually feel enthusiastic and and motivated to get into the gym when it's no longer about just hating your body enough to get up at 5am and make it happen. So we're going to be talking about how to do this from a more positive perspective. And I get the feeling that I'm going to be releasing a few episodes about this particular topic over the coming weeks and months because it is a big one. So let's kick it off with this chat with Johnny Landels. I've been wanting to chat to you for a while on this subject of how to make exercise about or no longer about just appearance, how to make it about more than appearance, how to go into a workout or go into a gym or go for a run, whatever it might be without appearance and weight and shape just being at the forefront of our mind. And I know you've had a particularly cool journey with that and you've made some changes. I know I have as well. So let's chat about it. What do you feel about that whole subject? Yeah, it's it's like, I think it's something that I was still working out for a, a long time. And it wasn't until I started speaking with um, Charlotte Markey on my own podcast, who's the author of the like body image book for boys and the body image book for girls. Um, and she's got like another book that she's writing at the minute, which is called like adultish, which is about sort of being an adult with regards to the body image spectrum. Cause the, the first two books are more written for sort of like teen preteen ages, mm-hmm. but do have a really great amount of information for, you know, like the body image book for boys, for example, as an adult male, I found very enjoyable to read. And it speaks about that crossover between like, okay, well, what is a healthy diet? And like, what is a healthy relationship with exercise? And how can you, you know, strive for those things without them becoming obsessive? And Mm -hmm. the tipping point was, with regards to like exercise and how you look, the tipping point is how much effort you're putting into that, and then how much you're like checking your results and how much that is then taking it away from the rest of your life. And when I look back at my my previous experience with exercise and how it was kind of very much tied into my sense of self-worth, you know, my entire identity and worth was tied into this like CrossFit athlete slash coach lifestyle that I was living. The appearance was like a byproduct then of the training that I was putting myself through the lifestyle. I, you know, I, I needed to be shredded to fit into this lifestyle. It became very much like a must have, which became the obsession. Um, And I speak with so many people who I work with about that, where, you know, they're actually struggling to motivate themselves for exercise again, because it has such a negative connotation to them. It either used to be about how much they sweated or how many calories they burned. You know, I think that's the issue with Apple watches and activity trackers is the idea of, you know, movement rings and, oh, you've burnt this many calories today. Like, can you, can you beat your target tomorrow? And like, oh yeah any calories this week like let's double your target next week and and it all becomes about that which they then translate into weight loss and appearance because that's what we 
you know, see plastered about online, calorie deficit, eat less, move more. It becomes like a virtue signal of like, how much exercise can I do in one week to burn as many calories as I can? Um, and when you get to the other side of that, it's like, oh man, well, what, what is exercise if it's not about that? Like, can I, can I just enjoy exercise? What, what does that even look like? You know, I've been forcing myself to do hit classes and, and spin and fat burner and, or marathon training. And I don't even like running. <laughs> what, what does it look like? You know? And, and I think that's a, it's, it, it's, it's going to be different for everyone. And I think it's, it's getting to that stage where you, you truly do need to find that exercise that you enjoy and that makes you feel you and then let your body kind of make its changes the way it will naturally with that shift in exercise selection because you and I could do the same training and diet plan and we would get vastly different results because we've got different genetics different starting points and different training backgrounds as well which all play into the adaptations that we'd make on that training plan mm, I think that's a really interesting point and to treat you and myself like a really small kind of sample size to talk about my natural kind of inclination is to drift towards that middleweight boxer type appearance though in my mind I'm always looking at guys like you with the big shoulders and the the strength and going like fuck like I just I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get more like that why is it so fucking hard for me to to get to that point and I really need to get to that point and that's like historically speaking that's the trap that I would fall into like looking yeah. at someone like you and going holy shit like look at his shoulders look at his arms like oh, I wish I could get that way but finding that trying to do that for myself mm -hmm. it's not like it's impossible but the effort and attention and dedication that would need to go into that for me mm. would very quickly take over my life well and, and Marcus it's like it's just so funny hearing you say that because then from a it's almost like we almost always want what we don't have yes rather than being grateful for what we have right and that's why the idea of self-acceptance in body image literature is so important and is all and is always the thing that people shirk against the most they're like no I can't be happy with the way that I am now because then I just stop trying mm. it's like no 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 like no you won't you'll just be very grateful for what you have now and, and body image and a, a positive body image isn't about loving every part of your body it's yeah. not about it's not about never being upset with your body and it's knowing that that's part of healthy body image but it's definitely about respecting your genetic blueprint and also you know creating a list of things that you like about your body or things that you like about yourself that are not your body so because there's two points here and, and the second one i'll make in a moment but the, going back to you of like oh man i wish i looked like you know had those shoulders or whatever and and for me like if i look back at my crossfit days it was actually about being more like rich froning shape or um you know like dan bailey shape where like yeah okay they were like big guys and i, I had that shape but it was about being cut like i needed the you know the abs and the obliques and like the men's health cover model style physique of like you know that posture and, and, and yeah. whereas um you know i remember being a, a young boy and talking with Pete because I was always a bigger lad and it's why I, I it's why I had success in rugby and like I remember talking about you know with my peers and saying yeah but you know like look at my wrist like this is my wrist bone and people are like no 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 come on you're just fat and I'm like no 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 like look this is my forearm bone like look at how like look at how wide this bone is 
Like there's no fat around my wrist. Like that's bone. This is forearm muscle. Like this is like the size of my elbow, the size of my shoulder as a, as a bone and like collarbone thickness. It's like, I was always going to be this shape because mm. genetically, like I've got wide hips, I've got wide shoulders. Like I'm a big bloke. My dad was, my granddad was a blacksmith for God's sake. It's like, you can see that through my family lineage of the, of the guys that were like, you know, five foot nine to five foot 11 broad rugby players. And it's like, that's your genetic blueprint. Just like yours is that kind of like middleweight boxer, quite like a lean guy. And it's respecting your genetic blueprint and then becoming the best version of yourself rather than like thinking the grass is greener on someone else's patch. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think permission to embrace your uniqueness and play to your own strengths is a huge part of this journey. I think definitely, and a huge part of enjoying exercise and training and everything like that as well. Like rather than actually pushing shit uphill, trying to be something that someone else is and you might not be really predestined for, really playing to your strengths and going, okay, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? What would complement my body? And going with the grain rather than against it, but just going to have a better journey and a more enjoyable experience. Obviously there are so many factors here when it comes to enjoying exercise, but, mm. and we, you know, without it becoming about appearance, like making it more about what athletic pursuits am I kind of genetically kind of programmed for? Like if an Olympic team was selecting me to represent a country, which sport would they choose me for? Like, mm. what would I do? Like, I think that's a really interesting thought experiment yeah because like it th through training you can obviously have some adaptations to muscle fibers through you know certain strength adaptations and through certain you know energy system training but you're always going to be predetermined to a certain subset right there's and you know you can test these things through different um testing processes and weightlifting and things like that like a good one for muscle fibers is usually to know like your top end strength is one piece, but then also what, you know, how many reps can you get on a back squat at like 85% of your one rep max? It's usually a good test of your neuromuscular efficiency and also a good test then of like your muscle fibers. So a lot of people who might be more explosive, fast twitch, yeah, they've got a good top end number, but then ask them to do 85% reps and they get like two or three and they're like, oh my God, like that was really hard. Mm. Whereas myself, you know, I've got a top end back squat of you know 185 or whatever but then my eight if i if you ask me to do max reps at 85 percent, which is i think like off the top of my head 32 and a half about 150 i'm looking at like seven or eight reps you know because mm. i'm very slow twitch i'm very aerobic and in crossfit it was knowing that that was like a strength of mine my muscle endurance higher weights was decent my aerobic conditioning was decent, particularly from my rugby background. It's why I prevailed in rugby, because rugby is an aerobic sport, particularly as a prop forward. You know, you're running from ruck to ruck to ruck to ruck. You're never really stopping. You're just kind of jogging, hit, jog, hit, take ball, go, push, grind. Mm. You know, people would look at my squat pattern and be like, oh my God, like, how can you squat so low? What's going on? And then people are like, oh my, your, your mobility is amazing. It's like, I've never done any fucking mobility in my life. <laughs> Like, you know, I'm, I'm there snatching and 
barefoot trainers and people are like, oh my God, like, you know, your snatch pattern, your overhead pattern, things like that. And I'll tell you what, Marcus, you know, I spent a bit of time at, at CrossFit Thames and, you know, did the CrossFit mobility course. And the guy that owned that was, was really into his mobility. And so there was, you know, banded stretches and things like that. But that was all just, it didn't change what I already had. I was already... Yeah. <laughs> You know, like I, I, I stepped into a CrossFit gym and started back squatting and people were like, oh my God, your squat form is amazing. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of built for it. And also from spending years and years playing rugby, you know, doing a scrum and a ruck and all the rest of it, the squat pattern was just like, you know, nailing it there. Yeah. So I think people need to spend some time being really kind of curious about as you just said there, if an Olympic team were to choose me, what would I be kind of like excelling in? You know, am I more of a, an anaerobic, fast twitch, explosive person, or am I more of a slow twitch, aerobic, strength-based person? And, you know, what kind of movement do I enjoy? What am I looking for out of my training? Um, because if you if you pile it all just into your aesthetic, particularly on a look of someone else's look, you, you're never going to be satisfied. Yeah you're always going to be searching for it. And that's, that was the trap I was in, in my CrossFit days. You know, I, I can look back now and be like, holy fuck, like, I look like the pinnacle of fitness. But at that time, I didn't think that. Mm. I was desperate to look like something else and would be hypercritical of any photo of me that was in like a bad light or a bad angle, or bad light or bad angle, yeah. as per my thoughts, you know, my hypercritical thoughts. You know, I've got in the years between 2015 to 2016 i've got 52 selfies of me in my underwear because i was taking progress photos every week every week for god's sake mm. and it's like yeah because i was just so focused on a on a on a weight on the scale i was so focused on a look that somebody else had that i thought i needed to have to find worth happiness and success without actually thinking how can i become my best self without this taking away from every other aspect of my life which unfortunately like it did you know it did take away from other aspects of my life I remember my girlfriend at the time was like you know I came back from work one evening and I was working evenings at CrossFit Thames so got back at like nine or whatever on a Friday night um she'd obviously been home since sort of half five six because she worked a normal a normal job and was like, oh, you know, um, I've, I've, I've done some research and there's this really nice steak place nearby. And I know that you love steak. Like, why don't we go and have a nice night together? And I went, oh, I'm really sorry. I can't because I've got no macros left. How she stayed with me for another two years after that, I have, I have no idea. But you know, <laughs> like, I look back at that, like when you're when, when you're doing things like that. It's it's taking more away from your life than it's probably adding because people like your partner, your friends, your family, I mean, generational kind of parental trauma about sort of weight and shape aside, which we can go into, because that is a huge part of it. Mm -hmm. But they don't give a fuck about how lean you are. They care yeah. about who you are as a person, mm -hmm. what their lives, you know, what are your core values? What, what's your personality? What do you do to help in those relationships and support and all of those things, you know? You just touched on something really important in terms of curiosity, which is this key ingredient to finding a great relationship or creating a great relationship with exercise that's not based on aesthetics. And mm. the, that combination of curiosity and non-judgmental awareness. Mm. 
those two things absolutely need to be present on a fundamental level if we're going to navigate this process successfully. A hundred percent, mate. A hundred percent. And I think that's it's again, it's that how do you make exercise not about your weight, size, shape, and appearance? It's always the intention behind the decision. Like what 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 are you doing this for and, and what do you kind of want to get out of it? And it can be very difficult if your intentions in the past have always been about your aesthetics or like you've been an athlete or what have you, that you know, your intentions might be based on all of those things. Um and it can be difficult for like that change in priorities you know it can be difficult to transition that change in identity and that change of priorities like who am i if i'm not training in this way or at, at this volume or in this style or, or for this purpose or especially if you've built up an instagram account that's like you know body pictures and straight oh, yeah. and all the rest of it. it's like how can you move away from that it can be a really difficult transition but it's one that you can get curious about because then you're like well why have i got all of my self-worth into these things and what else do I have outside of those and again then asking yourself from a training perspective if you can't if you can't get yourself bought into going to the gym again for whatever reason it is asking yourself the question well you know what's going on you know I don't I don't need the rest day you know like I, I feel recovered um like energetically I feel good I feel strong but I just don't want to go to the gym and it's yeah. like so what's going on there? Like, what, what's the block? Like, what, what kind of mental block is going on there? Because then it's either, it's, it's something of the process that you've dedicated to that's not, it's no longer aligning. And you need to get curious about that because it's totally normal for your training and, and your body to change throughout the journey of life. Like, that's part of, um, that's part of that, you know, mindfulness piece of uh, the ever-changing world impermanence mm. and I think people get so stuck with trying to have their like food their exercise and their body in a fixed state because they see any changes like scary or wrong mm -hmm. and, that, and that societal issues of weight you know any weight gain being the fucking worst thing on the planet to happen to someone so that's that fault really so it's like get curious into what that blockage is because your training can look like whatever the fuck you want it to. You know, I, I was talking with a client, uh, a new client the other day, and he was like, I've been going to CrossFit. And he was like, I feel shit. You know, like I've been going three times a week. Um, he's a really busy guy. Like he owns a construction company. He's in his 40s. Started working with me because he wants to like improve his health around, you know, his food and stuff. And he's has certain fears about his heart and things like that, which I can totally resonate with because I do too with my dad passing away. Um, and he was like, you know, I feel shit with CrossFit because like I only go three times a week. Every time I go, it seems to be legs. So I'm like, my legs are just getting absolutely battered. Um, he's like, I, I, whenever I go, it's like a Olympic lifting, which I don't have the mobility for, you know, my shoulders feel awful. Um, you know, I've, I've injured my shoulder now because I'm always doing snatches and things that I don't have the mobility for. There's not enough real time spent on mobility and things like that. Or like, I can't really scale it to something else. He's like, I don't really know why I'm doing Olympic lifting because I want to train for like strength and function, you know, rather than Olympic. He doesn't want to be an Olympic lifter. Mm. He's like, I don't want to be a CrossFit athlete. He's like, I feel like I'd get more out of going to the gym three times a week and doing a full body strength program where I can use like full range of motion and, you know, get, get good results from a strength perspective and feel strong. Whereas all I'm doing is going in, fucking my legs 
having my shoulders feel awful and then doing a you know a circuit that like leaves me on the floor sweating and you know bleeding out of my asshole <laughs> just absolutely ruined just dead and it's like what am i doing i'm not trying to compete in crossfit and i was like and even if you were trying to compete in crossfit crossfit competitors do a competitor program because a competitor program is a periodized strength and conditioning program that involves interval training aerobic training strength training yes some olympic lifting but it's a training program whereas a lot of crossfit classes are effectively a testing program where it's like come in for an hour do a 10 to 15 minute group based warm-up do you know five sets of two back squat try and find a heavy two for the day it's like right okay we'll just test our two rep max for no reason and then do 30, <laughs> 30 minutes of rowing and burpees and then go, you know, go as hard as you can because intensity is the key to results. And it's like, it's not though. Like there's there's different periods of like volume and intensity that we need to, you know, push across. So, you know, it giving that as a working example for, for if you love going to CrossFit classes and your CrossFit, you know, our CrossFit gym, for example, the training, the program is a little bit different, very much is based on strength and conditioning. There's a big intention behind like aerobic conditioning and interval training and pacing yourself and doing all those good things. And so a lot of people love CrossFit classes. I'm not trying to bash that, but I'm just saying um, have a think about your training program and if it's giving you what you actually want out of it. Yeah, because we've had this glorified picture of highly intense training for a very, very long time. And I, I believe that's partly because that's just something that's marketable, something that's sellable. Like if you, in a marketing campaign or in social media, whatever it might be, if you uh, create content, you know, this is back to like the seventies and the eighties, like really glorifying like hard workouts. It it's kind of exciting on a level. It, it It's, you know, it's exciting. It's dynamic. It's, Oh my God, these people are working so hard. Like it's an easy concept to sell. And that's, I, I believe that's why it's pushed so much, or at least one of the reasons why it's pushed so much. Whereas a concept that's much more effective, but much harder to sell is what you mentioned in terms of periodized training, actually a structured training training program that addresses multiple elements of fitness goes through different levels of intensity, and actually cycles over the course of, of months and years. Yeah. So you know, that's, that's something that's much, much harder to put in an inspirational Instagram reel or a 30 second commercial for a gym. Like, Oh um, yeah. 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 Every gym sells the before and after photo or the transformation or the bit of like, yeah, you know, this is what you can achieve if you kind of work here and it's not, it's not realistic, um, not feasible, not sustainable, not fair, you know, cause again, it's like, that's why transformation photos are just a shit show. And, you know, <laughs> apologies for ever using them because I you know I did use them in my marketing because it was kind of what I was taught to do as a young fitness professional but it doesn't reflect the results you'll actually get from doing the same training and, and nutrition because you are a different person with a different starting point and going back to CrossFit you know there's loads and loads of benefits there from a from a regular fitness goers perspective, if you were to go quite regularly in a week and there was a good balance of programming at that gym and, you know, so you do get touch points of different muscle groups, different patterns and different energy system training. Fabulous. And people love going for the community and the, and for the fact of like learning new skills, you know, like learning some gymnastics or learning some Olympic lifting. So it's like, again, like if you love doing that and that gives you the balance and variety that you need to stay consistent, you know, have at it you know love it for you you know my my wife still does 
CrossFit classes at our local CrossFit gym because that's what she enjoys the most. I go there and do open gym training just because that's what works best for me. And that's how I feel my best from my competitive background. But I know then for a lot of people, like if you're doing CrossFit for an aesthetic purpose, you've got mm. to ask yourself, is it providing you? Well, one, why, is, why are you doing it purely for aesthetics? Because again, like CrossFit as a modality is about functional training and is about like more more about what your body can do really um although a lot of crossfit coaches will tie in kind of people's weight to their ability to do gymnastics and things which is very wrong and again like again that highlights the need for aesthetic changes um but i remember this picture of like rich froning jason kalipa and dan bailey like all in their like swim costumes because it was like the first crossfit games that did a swimming event um and there was like loads of memes going around because i i was working in a bodybuilding shop at that time and like bodybuilders were like oh crossfitters like they can't lift like they're not like that's not real training and then it was you know like these guys look absolutely jacked and it's like yeah well like look you know you say we can't lift type thing or like whatever and it and it was the classic kind of like the nowadays batman superman thor type physique yeah. And so they'll have 100% been men that are like, man, I've got to do CrossFit because I want to look like that. Not realizing that like Rich Froning and Dan Bailey and Jason Kalipa's CrossFit is four hours of training a day. That includes a combination of strength training, hypertrophy training, accessory training and energy system training, as well as then a shit ton of food to get them into that position, plus their own genetics, training backgrounds and everything else. So it's like, it's again, it's like looking at that image aesthetic and being like, I've got to do the same thing, but not really actually doing the same thing because they don't have the time, resources, money or energy or genetics to be able to with, as you said at the very start, if you did my training, it might break you. Mm-hmm. You know, people walk in and go like, yeah, okay, I'll do a three hour a day competitor program. Or like, I'll do a Bulgarian squat program. And it's like, and then the knee falls off. <laughs> knee falls off. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been like, yeah. We We've all been there. We're all... I'm, I'm going to do this Bulgarian weightlifting program. It's like week two. I've got tendonitis in both my knees and I can't walk. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. The Some of the, the bodybuilding style training that I was doing at different times just blew up my elbows and thoracic like area like you wouldn't believe like one of the one of the most insane and memorable career opportunities that I ever had was almost completely fucked by a training injury like when I first moved to the UK I landed a um, a gig with a, a touring band and it was like my first opportunity to be a full-time touring guitarist we're on like a UK tour, European tour, like world tours, everything like that, North America, whatever. And I was practicing the set list. I was learning all these tunes and also training like a fucking maniac at the time because I was still down that rabbit hole and thinking, oh my God, I've got to look good on stage and everything. I woke up one morning, both my elbows had blown up with like fucking tennis elbow or golfer's elbow or whatever it is. And for a guitar player like that's just that's almost just like game over like you you, you're fucked and I remember like I've got pictures of me from that time with both my elbows dunked into this giant kind of Tupperware container full of like ice and water and everything like that trying to get around the fact that I'd oh man 
like injured myself yeah. and the tour was coming up it was like all the shows were booked it's like three weeks away and I hadn't told the guy who hired me that I was dealing with this particular problem I was strapping up both my arms just going oh my god <laughs> that first tour I actually had to wear like a long sleeve shirt to right. hide to hide the fact that both of my arms were taped to fuck and yeah like the time I played Wembley I was my back was covered in physio tape oh because, yeah you mentioned physio tape yeah yeah it was covered in physio tape because I was just so fucking broken from what I was doing <laughs> and we yeah, we often just underestimate the kind of damage that can happen from programs and whatever that just aren't meant for us for you no yeah that aren't built for you yeah yeah and and, pe and people will know who who might be listening to this who have followed me for a while like I did obviously go through a stage where I was like massively hating on CrossFit and that was a that was a mixture of, of me myself having my own you know advanced individualized program for for competitor training and and, and you know understanding and, and feeling the benefits of an individual program while then also going through my own kind of spat with with kind of CrossFit HQ over kind of content and licensing and labeling and and you know UK CrossFit community kind of reporting adverts of mine and stuff that used the CrossFit name but it was purely to like to help people doing CrossFit I wasn't saying that I was you know advertising as a CrossFit brand or whatever anyway by the by so I kind of like spat my dummy out and was like, yeah, let's really like unite against CrossFit. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, but like there, there are a lot of people who will do then like really high volume training programs when they're working a really stressful job and they've got kids and they've got a life outside the gym and they're going to the gym first thing in the morning and late at night and like prepping all their food and Tupperware. Um, and then they're not recovering or they're, you know, they're, they're getting injured and rather than looking at the training program being the problem, they're like, oh, well, my food mustn't be right. So I should like I should get a nutritionist and get like get on the macros so that I'm eating the right things at the right times. Or like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll douse my back in physio tape and wear a weightlifting belt and knee sleeve so that I can do the squats tonight. And then that way I can, you know, I'll get through it without without and I'll buy a mobility gun. And I'll put that on my penis and then I'll, you know, like I'll fucking douse myself in Noco and CBD oil and then take a bath in a fucking ice bath tonight because that'll help me recover. And it's like, or you could just look at the biggest compounding variable and change your fucking training program. You don't need to be there with a resistance band around your fucking head, like theragunning your elbow joint, you know, physio tape on your lower back, weightlifting belt, knee sleeves, weightlifting shoes. You're yeah, like, dude. what are you doing? And it's, it, and this is what frustrates me. You're like, you need a pair of weightlifting shoes, a weightlifting belt, a pair of knee sleeves, and a fucking wing and a prayer to get to the bottom of an overhead squat. And you're trying to do a snatch base program that was written for an Olympic lifter. It's insane. I think you just touched on one of the, one of my pet hates, uh, which is, people wearing weight belts when they shouldn't be fucking wearing weight belts like you wear a weight belt when you're testing your one rep max and never ever for anything else ever again yeah it's it's fucking insane and something else you touched on earlier was you know if you're experiencing certain feelings of resistance while going into a gym or into a training space then you've got to ask yourself why that is and i haven't trained consistently at a commercial gym like i've done the odd session here and there but i haven't trained consistently at a commercial gym for years like i 
set up a, a space for myself at home, kettlebells and barbell stuff like at home in my garage, just because the vibe of commercial gyms after mm. a decade of working in them drives me fucking insane. Like I can't walk into one without looking around and going, oh, fuck off. Like just, and <laughs> and the, <laughs> the multitude of people wearing fucking Olympic lifting equipment while doing tricep extensions yeah it just it it grinds me so much i i gave up when i was working in gyms on trying to correct things because people just get so fucking brainwashed into dick shit stupid ideas that i i can't i i just had to disengage i'm like i'm out yeah i can't do it yeah and i think like if you're listening to this and you you're like oh man uh you know why are you hating on those things because i use them just be like well so you know i've been there you know i was i was the bloke that was like right okay i'll buy some weightlifting shoes and some knee sleeves because that will help me with my knee pain for this squatting program and then it was like okay no my knee pain is really really fucking bad now and then you know you finally see the physio and stuff and it's like you know yeah your your, your training pr program is pretty high for the kind of knee bend pattern you know maybe you should work on something else you know like mm. when i started working with my individual coach it was great to be able to like okay yeah you know your upper body push pull is pretty weak in comparison to your legs very common for a crossfit athlete by the way just because of the, the the amount of sheer squatting that you do so it's like and your hamstrings are weak as piss because you used to be a musical theater actor so you've got really like flexible hamstrings from doing high kicks and splits and things like that which is the shit that i had to do as a musical theater actor so my program was upper body density and hamstrings you know like i used to hashtag operation lats and hammies for that yeah. reason because i was doing fucking hip extensions glute ham raises hamstring curls hamstring bridges you know i was doing strict gymnastics strict pull-ups all those things people look at my like muscle ups and things now and you know people do i'm not blowing smoke up my ass but people compliment my form and like they look good same thing with snatches you know they look good and it's like okay thank you very much I've been, you know, practicing weightlifting since 2010. So it's 13 years now in the trenches. And similarly with gymnastics, there was a long period of my life where all I was doing was upper body strength work. And I was doing hollow holds and arch holds and hollow rocks and kip swings and supinated kipping pull-ups. And I was doing... Um, you know chin over bar holds top of ring dip holds bottom of ring holds uh rope climbs strict rope climbs l sits like all of these things that are in like a beginner's gymnastic program the things that i did to build the core strength and also the technique to do those things and so like if you're now saying oh man i've you know i've bought into the kind of the weightlifting belt and the knee sleeves and the and the wraps and all the rest of it well of course you have because that's what's that's what's showcased out there and that's what the people at the top of the sport use so you're like great i'm going to get a pair too but it's just be careful of over relying on these things because if your back hurts so you're like great i'll put a weightlifting belt on to do this set of deadlifts or this set of squats it's like that's not going to get rid of the back pain you know, you need to address what's actually going on there. Oh, my knees hurt, so I'm going to wear knee sleeves so I can get through the squats. Maybe you shouldn't do squats today. You know, maybe you need to strengthen your hamstrings or, you know, work on a, a variation of the squat that puts you in a diff slightly different movement pattern. 
because you know your limb length is different or something you know like there, there are going to if you the more that you practice without assistant stuff like no belt no shoes no sleeves you're going to get better movement patterns you're going to really like strengthen your you know your core and your supporting muscles so that then when you're testing a one rep max or you're in a competition you can apply those extra things to get you you know maybe a, a few percentage more or a bit more volume or what have you but that there's a very big difference to having that you know those stuff assist the strength that you have versus compensate for the weaknesses that you have mm. i think yeah you nailed it then it's like big difference between using those things to complement what you already have versus using those things to compensate for a weakness like one of those options is going to lead to a fucking cool one rep max the other is going to lead to the perpetuation of injury something i really want to summarize for everyone as we approach the end of this episode is a bit of a formula and some steps when it comes to what we were talking about with creating a level of enjoyment and fulfillment surrounding exercise leaving out the aesthetic side of things because i know we've gotten slightly sidetracked but i know we were talking about curiosity and non-judgmental awareness as cornerstones of that process i'd love to hear a little bit more about your personal journey from where you were in terms of a very aesthetic uh, focus even while doing crossfit too kind of where you are now like what has actually helped you build genuine conviction in your feelings surrounding training for more fulfilling reasons that don't have anything to do with weight and shape because it's very very easy to try and think the right things or say the right things and constantly be doing this like mental gardening with no 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 I'm I'm going to the gym for this reason and and I'm 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 not I'm not weighing myself and I'm not focused on this while at the same time very much struggling to be genuinely in alignment with that on a feeling mm. level so what I'm really interested in is what has helped you genuinely feel different mm. about your relationship with training or in your relationship with training yeah yeah good question and and like I think, again, there's not going to be one answer or like set of steps that apply to everyone. And I think that's always what people want is like, just tell me what to do mm. so that I can just, I can, I want that result and I just want to be there. So like, what, what have you done to do that? So that I can just do the same thing. And, and we need to be aware of whenever we fall into that trap because that's why we buy into meal plans and diet plans and training plans and things like that because it's like I want that result so therefore I must do the exact same thing and I'll just get the same result rather than being curious about your own needs and adapting what you're doing or going through the process of self-reflection questioning and and going through the messy process yourself and understanding it's going to take the time it takes you and and not necessarily the thing about intuitive eating and, and body image and training in, in the main sense is this idea of like, people are so obsessed with doing shit. It's like, you know, as a perfectionist or um, someone who's like high performance or, you know, doesn't really know how to rest. It's like, yeah, cool. I need to be like working on it. And then if they're not doing like actual habits or actual things, it's like, I'm not, I'm not working on it. I'm not doing it. And it's like, no, 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 no. 
the work is done here it's about you know asking yourself better questions taking time to think about these things taking time to pause reflect relax rest and 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 ask yourself some deep questions and they would be around this idea of okay if my value isn't found in my weight size or shape then what is it found within if my value isn't found within my athletic performance in the gym then what is it found within why am i actually training why why am i bothered about training what am i doing it for who am i doing it for what are the benefits of this exercise and food regime that are beyond uh, you know a heavy back squat number or an aesthetic number because the trap of performance in the gym is just as deadly as the trap of aesthetics because then if you start having bad days in the gym or you get injured or whatever it's like oh man I don't want to go back because I'm not as strong as I used to be mm. or I'm worried of getting injured again or I don't want to I don't want to not be as good as I used to be because that again that was what you put your worth into so again what is my sense of self and worth that is beyond these things you know who if i ask my family or my wife or my kids or my friends what they love most about me it's not going to be my broad shoulders and my you know 115 kilo snatch it's going to be who i am as a person mm-hmm. you know what i bring to the table as uh, in in those relationships with regard to my empathy my support my humor my you know my general way of being so you've got to ask those questions for yourselves and that's a key part of body image it's creating this list of of values that are outside of your shape weight and appearance you can definitely create a list of things of that you're happy about that you can look at you know what things do you like about yourself and then you can dedicate activities of self-care that look after your body, which include like regular grooming and regular washing and, you know, taking care of yourself and showing respect and movement and exercise is a way of showing respect for your body and, and showing what your body can do from a functional perspective. And everybody who I speak with, who's an active person knows that they feel better when they move regularly. Mm. So it's tying into that, like this is genuinely to make you feel better. And when I when I get clients to actually fill out a destination postcard of like where they want to be and what they want to be doing, it's not about like, oh, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to do the Santa shred challenge so that I can have a six pack on Christmas morning and feel good about myself. Or like, I want to do the summer shred so that I can sit on a beach and take a photo of me and have abs for the first time. It's like, I want to have energy to, play on the beach with my kids and not not need to rest like I want to be able to walk up and down stairs and not get out of breath I want to be able to live longer and watch my kids you know grow up yeah so well then that's what your movement needs to reflect that makes me think of something really important which is the the company we keep you mentioned they're thinking about what people close to you are going to value most and obviously with family and everything like that, that's a, a bit more cut and dry, like our family are going to value certain things. But if we're trying to reshape our relationship with exercise and body image, and we're hanging out with a group of people 
who all they fucking talk about is appearance and diets and weight and everything like that. That's just going to reinforce all this really toxic shit that's not making you happy. So as difficult as it can be, when we're looking at things like, okay, what am I going to be remembered for? Like, what do the people who love me really care about? That can get a little bit dicey because when, when people are like, well, my friends genuinely do care about how I look. And if that's the answer to that, if that's the situation you're in, I'd have some very, I'm kind of joking, but kind of serious. I have some questions about the friends and the company that you keep. Yeah. And, I know, and I know that's a really fucking tough one. Uh, and by all means, I'm not saying fuck your friends off and you need to get more friends immediately who are better. But I'm not not saying that. Like, it's it's a, it's yeah. a really tough one um, because, yeah, the company we keep is one of the things that's really important with reinforcing this. And an extension of the company we keep is the content we choose to absorb. Um. And there's a, another another point here that I, I know some people run into, and I'd love to hear your perspective on it too. I found that some people, when they put aside the aesthetic goals, they feel like they lose their desire to walk into a gym. They feel yeah. like they lose the desire to go and train. And they experience this period of time where they're like, okay, I'd much rather sleep in and just eat breakfast in bed and do fuck all like that's, yeah. that's much more pleasurable than going to the gym so if i'm not going to the gym in order to change my physical appearance to experience yeah. the the benefits out there in society of achieving such a thing then yeah. why the fuck am i bothering at all like i'd have yeah. no motivation to do it if that's not the case so what are your thoughts yeah. on that well you made two great points there marcus one was the case of if you if your mates do value your aesthetics and your performance above anything else and it's like are they actually your mates yeah probably not like acquaintances in the gym don't necessarily need to mean friends and you know you then need to surround yourself with people who lift you up and who challenge you yes but who also value you as a, as a human being um and then with regard to that like i remember seeing your post about like some some bros are, are there getting up at four in the morning and doing breathing exercises and having a cold shower or whatever and it's like yeah but you could also just get the same benefits of having a lie-in an extra kip and a bit of a you know and, a, and having a shag and it's yeah. like yeah, exactly <laughs> like it's it's wellness culture all over is this idea of like fuck there's something i'm not doing that needs to be done and it's like yeah okay i need to get an ice bath and eat clean and it's like or you could actually get eight and a half hours of interrupted sleep and could train a bit less mm. and if you're waking up every day sore as fuck knackered and being like oh man i've got to drag my ass to the gym what yeah. the fuck are you doing like <laughs> but the thing is that habits like that can be hailed as disciplined and this is why it's so hard to spot because within the fitness industry these days, disordered eating and exercise is, isn't disordered, it's discipline. Mm. And I remember, I remember, because when I, when I was, again, when I was competing in CrossFit and when I just moved up to Leeds, I was coaching in CrossFit, but I was coaching in a gym in Manchester, despite living in Leeds. And what I would do is that I would, I was doing this, this individual program because my coach was from that gym in Manchester. And I would wake up at about half five I would have all of my food prepared for the day. 
So I would, uh, you know, have it all in the gym bag ready. So I'd have a protein shake and a banana when I woke up and I'd head to the gym and I'd do my conditioning intervals, which would be like rowing or skiing or assault biking or whatever. Um, I'd do that from six till seven. I would then have my breakfast, reply to a few emails, get in the car, drive to Manchester to do the 10 a.m. CrossFit class. I would then have um, another, you know, bite to eat and do the lunchtime class. And then I had that break from one o'clock till the first class at four to do my afternoon training session, which was like two and a half hour training session, big session. Then I'd eat again, coach from four till eight, and then drive all the way home to Leeds, make my food, go to bed. Mm. And I remember talking about that in a post and someone who was coaching at that gym in Manchester, who's also like, you know, has got his own demons really around kind of like performance and training volumes and you know respecting his own kind of like bodily limits and genetics that thing was like oh I remember that time you were so disciplined yeah that wasn't discipline discipline is a really tough one because a lot of people are just leaning on that as the answer to the world's problems and I I think discipline discipline without self-compassion is like a chainsaw without a handle you know like there are there are issues you need to write that down mate oh (laughs) i will but i find that discipline yeah it's a it's a really valuable tool and i think in the the work that i do with clients particularly around mindset uh surrounding food and the thought processes surrounding food and what we're bringing to our relationship with food and training like if we use discipline in the fields of like challenging perfectionism getting through procrastination and challenging limiting beliefs mm-hmm. then discipline can be used quite effectively and and very well if we use discipline in those areas we're pretty likely to win and get some yeah. great, great experiences and great results however if we use discipline to fight things like physiological needs psychological needs or emotional yeah. needs we're gonna fuck up we're gonna lose and we're gonna yeah. lose hard Oh yeah. If you're using discipline to, you know, scoff down another chicken and broccoli tub, because that's your safe meal, as well as like get up at six to do conditioning intervals, even though your body's telling you to fucking sleep, then it's not discipline. Yeah. Like there's a difference between discipline of being the thing that you need the most. Like, as you just said, there, self-compassion people get fucking afraid of. I don't want to be lazy. Don't, don't let myself off the hook. No, 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 no. Self-compassion is showing you the same kindness that you'd show a friend, family member, or loved one who, if they said to you, oh man, I've not been to the gym in a week and I feel fucking terrible. You'd be like, well, you probably feel better going to the gym. You probably feel better doing some movement. It's good for you. Yeah. And if a friend or family member said they woke up at 6am and it was their fourth morning of training in a row and they've been doing double days and they're like, man, I feel fucking shattered. You'd be like, well, just take it off. You've been yeah, working yeah. really hard. You know, you, you've got, you've got a job, you've got kids. You've got you've got a report due at the end of the week. You've been pulling extra hours at the office. T- take the day off. You're not going to lose any gains. But you don't say that to yourself. Mm. You're like, oh, I'm undisciplined. I'm unmotivated. No, you're not. And it's the same <laughs> thing. It's the same thing as repositioning what willpower means. A client of mine who was kind of we're going through unconditional permission to eat at the moment, and 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 they're they're nervous about that because they still do have like you know bod- bodily related goals so they don't want to you know overeat high higher calorie food but it's that kind of paradox of like going through a little bit of that first to get through the other side of it and they were speaking with me about 
some of the strategies that we talked about in terms of, you know, not practicing reactive eating and, you know, pausing for 10 minutes, noticing and naming and thinking about how you're going to feel after you've eaten that food, which is all part of body food congruence of like, is this food going to be satisfying for me? You know, is it what I really want? Is Am I feeling something else? If I do want this, what, what amount is going to feel satisfying for me? Um, can I eat it and stay checked in and stop when I'm satisfied? which is different to like, oh, I shouldn't be having this food. Oh, no, I'm going to eat this food. Oh, well, I've, I've been bad. I'm therefore going to eat all of it. And then feeling sick, bloated and feeling horrific. So I was like, you're not using willpower by doing those strategies, you know, in, this, in, the, in the fitness willpower sense of like, you just need to resist your cravings and eat kale and bleed out of your eyeballs. No, it's like you're you're not using willpower in a bad way. You are using willpower because you're not just reactively eating because that's what you know you've always done in that situation or that routine or that habit. Yes, you're using willpower, but you're using it in a positive manner. You're using it to adopt a new strategy, some new skills, and to you know question what you really want and live in the moment. And that's not that's not like sheer discipline and willpower. It's using willpower to help you be the person who you want to be. And the more that you do that, because everyone's like, willpower is finite. That's why your environment is so important. So like, well, actually, the new science about willpower shows that it's like a muscle, that the more that we utilize it, the stronger it becomes. And again, if the intention behind that decision is a positive one and not a disordered, restrictive, terrible one, it's going to be easier to apply over time. I have nothing to add to that. It's fucking great. <laughs> it's brilliant, man. On that note, I know we've just come up on about an hour. Uh, we've both got clients today. So where can people find you if they want to hear more from you, man? So I do have my own podcast, which is called Beyond the Mirror. Um, it was formerly known as Next Step Espresso. And all I'd say to people is don't really go back beyond before season two, really. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, because I used to be a very weight centric macro based PT. And so a lot of former content on there won't align with what I talk about now. Um, and that's the same thing with my website, nextstepnutrition.co.uk, that a lot of blogs there are from kind of like former self. Um, so I'm kind of still deciding what to do with those. But best place would be Instagram for the, you know, the up to date content. And it my username's just my name, which is Johnny Landells, J O N N Y L A N D E L S. But I'm sure you'll share that in the notes so that people I don't will. need to spell my name correctly. <laughs> I will indeed. I'll chuck it in the uh, in the episode description. Thanks so much for the chat today, man. Thank you so much for joining Johnny and myself for this episode. If you would like to reach out to either one of us, I will include those links in the episode description. So my name's Marcus Kane. This was Strong Not Starving, and I'll be back with another episode next week.